in senior years of high school, all of these baseball scouts were telling his dad, you need to stop Dale from playing all these other sports. He needs to concentrate on baseball. He's going to be a first-round draft pick. Gogi said, no, play them all. Just play them all. And another player I spoke with, Damian Rose, he played it for the Tampa uh, Rays for a number of years. You know, he, he had a short statement to me at one point. He said, you know all these games we played outside, pickle, 500, et cetera, they made us what we are. They made us ball players. It wasn't the bats. It wasn't the gloves. It was the games that we played. What's up, Bucketheads? Thanks for tuning in, and welcome to episode number 47 of the Baseball Bucket List podcast. I'm your host, Anna Tomaso, and each week on the show, I speak with a different baseball fan about their favorite memories, what's left on their baseball bucket list, and what the game of baseball means to them. This week, I sat down with Kelly Park from Western Kentucky. Kelly is a Cardinals fan and the author of a book series called Just Like Me, When the Pros Played on the Sandlot. We discuss how a love of reading and history set him on the path of collecting Sandlot stories from players in the MLB, Negro Leagues, All-American Girls Professional Baseball League, and more. Kelly shares some of his favorite stories from those interviews, as well as his own favorite baseball memories and what's left on his baseball bucket list. Before we dive into the interview, I have some super exciting news to share. Dylan and Laura, the ballpark travelers from episode 41, got engaged last weekend. You may remember from their episode that they are attempting to visit basically every ballpark in existence. So, of course, the proposal took place at Floor Field, home of the Greenville Drive. A big congratulations to those two from myself and the rest of the Baseball Bucket List family. Now back to this week's episode. My big takeaway here is to get out and play. It's a sentiment that I and several guests on the show have echoed over and over again. Whether you're a kid or a grown-up, there's just something about it that makes you better, and Kelly's interview really supports that argument. Now, without further ado, sit back, relax, and enjoy some baseball banter with Kelly Park. Kelly, thank you so much for joining us today all the way from Western Kentucky. How are things in your world? It's great. Great, Anna. I'm uh, excited to be with you today, and uh, you know we're moving into the summertime. Baseball season has just started, so all is good with the world. Great. Yeah, same here. So we're off to the races then. How did you become a fan of the game of baseball? Ah, uh, that's, I guess, should be an easy answer. I will sound like a Brian Adams song, but it was the summer of 69. Is uh, my first real recollection of baseball. It was the first year I played youth baseball. I was on a team called the Astros. How I got on that team, I'm not really sure, but I do know that uh, my friend, we lived across the street. His dad was in charge of or somehow active in youth baseball in our small town. And the season had already started, but I wanted to play. And he got me on that team, the Astros, and away I went. Did you play much beyond Little League or? Well, I played all the way through. I was, I guess, 16 is when we finished up in our city leagues and for a number of reasons, I wasn't on the high school team. Started playing men's adult league softball at 17. Played that till I was in my mid-30s. But I had two friends that played on the local junior college team. And they were playing in an adult league baseball team. And they encouraged me to come out and play. And, and I played a couple of seasons on that adult league team in my um, early 20s. 
you know, yeah. played off and on. I had a good time. I loved it. Yeah. So kind of fell out of playing baseball after that time, but have you, have you remained a fan of the game? Are you, are you kind of still watching it? Do you have a favorite team? Yes, I am still a fan. Once I got out of college, I was, I got married, then kids came along. So my involvement and paying attention to the game, honestly, waned. After our first son was born, I was, he and I were at a bookstore and I come across a bargain uh, rack of baseball bo- or books. And I, I found a book about Shoeless Joe Jackson, read that book. And I was just, it brought me back to my love of the game. And then I just started reading biographies uh, from there, which increased my reinvolvement with the game of baseball, with, with, with following the game. So yeah, it's it's been up and down. I've always loved the game. It's all it's been a matter of time for me, and I think that's probably uh, an answer that a lot of people would give you. Yeah, baseball is definitely a sport that requires a, a big time commitment, certainly yeah, larger than some of the other major sports. So totally relatable. I hear that a lot. But so you find this book in the bookstore, Shoeless Joe, and that kind of reignites your love of the game. But it kind of set you down a different path too, didn't it? I mean, it did. Not only are you a fan of baseball and a fan of baseball books, but you're also a baseball book author. Yes. And earlier this month, you released the second volume of Just Like Me When the Pros Played on the Sandlot. And I am so excited about the premise behind this. I love the stories, I love the ideas, I love kind of the passion and the reasoning behind it. So would you mind for the listeners kind of explaining what the book is about, what the series is about? Sure. And and I will start by talking about how I came to this idea. So I mentioned the, the book about Shoeless Joe. It was called Ragtime Baseball. Well, from there, I picked up Robert Kramer's book about Babe Ruth. Love that. From there, I thought, you know what? I want to read biographies, and I'm going to start with the initial five inductees in the Hall of Fame. So I picked up the one on Babe Ruth. Then I went to uh, one on Walter Johnson. It was written by his grandson, fantastic book. Wrote, uh, read the book about Honus Wagner, Christy Matheson, and Ty Cobb. From there, picked up Lou Gehrig, Mo Berg, read a book about the crazy LA and I just was reading, 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 picked up a book called the glory of their times, which any baseball fan will tell you, man, that's like the golden ticket book uh, about baseball finished it. And here's what happened. I was reading all of these stories from these major league players that weren't the stars. They weren't the uh, Babe Ruth, Ty Cobbs. They were star players in their own right. But what I found was that a lot of their stories they were telling were stories that I had read in the biographies, but from a different angle. Mm. So the one story that I keep going back to is a play called Merkel's Boner. And it was in 2000 or not 2000, 1908, a game against the, the Chicago Cubs and the uh, New York Giants. Anyway, Christy Matheson and his biography talked about it. It was talked about in the book Crazy OA, and then two of the players in Glory of Their Times talked about it. 
I was so intrigued by that that when I finished the book, I was, I went looking for another book just like Glory of Their Times. Couldn't find it, but I come across a review that said, this book is so well written, you feel like you're on the field with the players. Well, I have a little bit of a cynical uh, personality, and my first thought was, no way. I never had the talent to be on the field with the players. My next thought was, but I've got a lot of great memories growing up playing baseball with my friends. I wonder what the pros' memories are. So I simply started searching for the book. I had no intention of writing a book or compiling stories. So I looked for a couple of weeks, couldn't find it. Couldn't find the first book even close to uh, that topic. And I was looking for a new challenge, a new project. And I thought, why not me? I don't, I do not know anyone in baseball, can barely put a sentence together that's <laughs> grammatically correct. No, any, no, no one in the literary world, but I'm going to do it. And here we are. So that was the genesis of the book. I love stories like that where people go searching for something that they want. And when it doesn't exist, they're like, well, you know, I'll be the one to put this in play and I'll be the mm -hmm. one to just build it from nothing. So yeah. give a little bit of background as to how the book is broken up and kind of what it covers. Okay. The... By the way, you asked me earlier who my favorite team and favorite players were. I didn't answer that question. St. Louis Cardinals, Lou Brock. Okay. Good right. answers. <laughs> so the book is laid out in a way that I want the reader to assume that the players are sitting around the dinner table and a topic is presented and they simply tell their stories. There are chapters on hometown and family. There's chapters on game memories. There's chapters on uh, makeup games that we play. There's a, roughly 18, I think, chapters. So it's laid out in that manner. And I honestly, I will tell you this. Some people are real crazy about that. You know, I've mm -hmm. heard back from readers that they will say, well, what I decided to do was read each player's story. So they would go from chapter one and reading Boog Powell's story, go to chapter two, read Boog Powell's story. And that's that's the beauty of being human. We can do whatever we want to do. And, and I encourage people to do that. For me, in putting this book together, these two books together, I felt like it resonated for me. And again, this is my, and I don't want to sound goofy or mean about this, but it's my book. So I wanted to lay it out the way I wanted to, right? <laughs> Much like yeah. music, you know, you you like what you like and, and you, uh, you listen to it or, or produce it. So, you know, uh, to me, I wanted to know about the player's memories with regards to a topic. So that's how it's laid out. And, and I, I, I try to stress that in the, uh, the opening of the both books is that, Hey, this is, these are interviews that I transcribed. I didn't r write these stories. I didn't want to change the essence of the player stories which is what I found because I did try to do that in the beginning. I tried to uh, rewrite the stories that these players were telling me and it just lost it. And, and that might be the quality of my writing skills, but uh, <laughs> it just, it sounds so much better in their own words. Definitely. I love that. I also am just really happy to see this kind of movement that, you know, folks like yourself and Ethan Bryan is another one who are kind of yes. turning this spotlight on the necessity of, 
being a kid and playing games. And, you know, you touched on how some of your best memories from childhood are out in the yard playing baseball out in the cul-de-sac at my grandma's house is like how I remember being a kid. And I worry sometimes that I'll be of the last generation that ever does something like that. So to know that there's a book full of a collection of those types of memories from real ball players, as I like to call them, mm-hmm. I think it's great because I think it kind of gives kids and maybe parents something to say, look, this is important. We need to put a little more focus on this. Like, let's get the kids back outside. So thank you for doing that, to put to collect these to take the time to to chat with all these people and and make sure that it exists in the world because I think it's incredibly important. I in in volume two, Dale Barra is in is one of the players I talked to. And he told me his father, Yogi Barra, he didn't want his sons, he had three sons. He did not want them only playing baseball. You know, he felt like by playing hockey, that made you a better baseball player. By ba- playing baseball, that made make you a better basketball player by playing basketball that may make you a better football player. He told me that he felt like, or his dad felt like being exposed to different coaches, different sports, it created a complete athlete so that when Dale was in his junior and senior years of high school, all of these baseball scouts were telling his dad, you need to, stop Dale from playing all these other sports. He needs to concentrate on baseball. He's going to be a first-round draft pick. Yogi said, no, play them all. Just play them all. And another player I spoke with, Damian Rolls, he played in, uh, for the Tampa uh, Rays for a number of years. You know, he, he had a short statement to me at one point. He said, you know all these games we played outside, pickle, 500, et cetera, they made us what we are. They made us ball players. It wasn't the bats. It wasn't the gloves. It was the games that we played. And I think that it's to your point, you know, kids are missing out on learning how to develop their skills in their own unique way where we no longer have a Louis Tiant that has such a unique pitching style or Carl Yuskrimski in a unique batting stance. We have all of these similar batting stances and uh, pitching styles that the uniqueness of the game is maybe being lost. I don't know. There's, there's still unique players out there, uh, but maybe not as many as before. Yeah. That was something that really hit home with me too. When I had a chance to speak with Mary Moore of the all American girls Mm -hmm. professional league, she was telling stories about how there used to be Detroit tigers who lived in her neighborhood, like professional Mm -hmm. Detroit Tigers and they would just go outside and play baseball together. And I just think, you know, how cool. And it's so not like that anymore. <laughs> no, no, it's not. It's um, it, that, that aspect of life has changed as far as interaction with professional athletes or maybe stars or whoever it may be. You know, I, I do have, it is nice. A couple of the players I interviewed do live within 30 minutes of me and I've had had the opportunity to have lunch with them a couple of times and just such great people. It, it's a joy to spend some time with them. Yeah, that's great. We had a very good family friend by the name of Bobby Brown, who was actually on the New York Yankees with Yogi and was Yogi's traveling yeah. roommate. So 
you're right. Like he was an amazing man. I mean, just not only a ball player, but also a, a cardiac surgeon. And so, so many multifaceted kind of layers to these people too, that I, you know, that's another thing that isn't around anymore, but it's just really neat to be able to sit down with history like that sometimes. So these stories that the players told me, you know, they grew up in the forties, the fifties and sixties, primarily, I guess the youngest player was Damian Rose and he grew up in the seventies and eighties. So the stories that they told, there was one player that I spoke with, you know, he tells the story of their makeup game or not makeup games or uh, games they played in the summertime with when their friends got together, the flood wall that kept the old Powell river from flooding. He lived in Paducah, which is down the road from me. You know, Paducah had a massive flood uh, or the Ohio River flooded in 1937 and they built this massive flood wall. So they used that flood wall as their outfield fence. Hit the ball over the flood wall. It went into the Ohio River and they only had one baseball. So what did they have to do? <laughs> Somebody had to jump in the river and retrieve that ball. You know, those are things that just don't happen anymore. Yeah, that's a great story. I can see it in my mind. So you've had the chance to speak with, I mean, a wide range of players. You're you're talking MLB, you're talking Negro Leagues, All-American Girls. You've shared several of those stories already, but is there kind of one that you, it's kind of your go-to story. Like it's the one that exemplifies what the project is all about. Hmm. That's a great question. All of the stories are fantastic. I'll tell you one funny story that had, and it was the third or fourth interview that I got it was with Boog Powell. So we don't have time for me to tell you how this whole journey played right. out. Maybe sometime when we're not on Zoom, we can say I can just explain to you this whole how everything played just fell into place. So got the opportunity to interview Boog and I was told to be at the Baltimore Orioles offices at a certain time, certain day. And I only got that information 24 hours before. I live 12 hours from um, Baltimore, so I had wow. to get a quick four-hour sleep and get on the road. So I'm talking to Boog, so nice, so personable, just telling me great stories. And I, I asked him the story. I said, how did you get your nickname? And assuming I was going to get the standard answer that I had read about in doing my research. Either it was a story about his dad calling him, look at that little booger running around, or you know, a story about him picking his nose when he was a kid. <laughs> I, that's what I was expecting. So I asked the question and he said, Kelly, you know what? He said, I never really knew how I got that, this nickname, but I was talking to my aunt Eunice the other day and she told me that she gave me this nickname and it was from a radio show that was on, I think it was, I think he was still in Key West, possibly. But anyway, a radio show out of Florida called Dr. Boogit. And she started calling him Dr. Boog. Eventually, the doctor was dropped and he was Boog. And I'm sitting there thinking, I've never read or heard this story before. I'm getting the scoop of the, of the lifetime here. This is a great story. It was eight years later before I could get this book out. Oh. <laughs> By then, he had written his biography and, and told the story. So yeah, that one, you know, I, there's so many great stories, you know, and talking to the Negro league players, their appreciation 
of the game, the players in Cuba. You know, I spoke with Louis Tion, Tony Oliva, and Burke Campaneris at the same time. And that's a whole story, too. My, the Volume two, the beginning of that book, is my adventure in flying to Miami and ultimately interviewing these three gentlemen at the same time. But, you know, they had to deal with segregation in Cuba, just like what was going on here in the United States, which was, which was not, you know, not a good situation at all. A lot of joy, you know, in, in listening to Bobby Richardson, a New York Yankee gray, talk about how he made a mistake in a game when he was 14 years old that cost his team the championship. And that one play changed the way he turned a double play all the way through his career in the major leagues. So I I can't say that I've got one go-to story because there's so many stories bouncing around in my noggin that (laughs) just whatever happens to hitting the right spot is the one I remember. Yeah. Well, I kind of set you up for failure there. So I knew you weren't going to be able to narrow it down, but I knew I, I could get something, something good out of you that way. You know, so. you know what? And I will say this, you know, that's a great comedy you said set up for failure. I went into this with no expectations, but I was going to, I was going to finish it. And, and, and I wasn't afraid to fail. You know, I think when I was younger, I was afraid to fail. So maybe I didn't try things as readily as I would have at, at the age I'm at now. Don't be afraid to try new things. You know, no one can be perfect in everything, but just the effort, you're learning, you're gaining experience, and it's going to help you in other aspects of your life. So just, you know, continue to plug along and, and don't be afraid. So, yeah, man, I just yeah. like just keep going along and, and uh, having fun. That goes back to the whole Sandlot aspect too, right? Because, mm-hmm. you know, now it seems like kids are finding themselves in these competitive environments at a younger and younger age. Whereas like where I was a kid playing baseball out in the cul-de-sac, it didn't matter if I messed up, you know, the, I, I could try things. I could swing the bat a different way because it didn't matter for anything. And I, I think that that's gone a long way in making me who I am is, is kind of experimenting and feeling safe to do that. So what a great point you just made. Well, in, in talking to the players, their memories really started flowing. Their stories really came out when we started talking about their pickup games and getting together with their friends and starting out. I, I know I, I talked to Jack Billingham, who's a pitcher for the Reds, won, world, won a number of World Series games. You know, he, he said we'd start out, it'd be a couple of us, and all of a sudden three more would show up and we'd be out in the street playing. Then next thing you know, we're going to go across to Rollins College and search for some baseballs out in the woods. And then we're going to have a game and move over to somebody else's yard. And we knew this mother would fix us a peanut butter and jelly sandwich <laughs> when we got hungry. You know, they had, they all had their stories. Uh, what was interesting is a lot of the games that they would talk about. One would say, well, we played this game called Indian ball. And one would say, we had this game we called roller ball and roller bad. And, when you'd ask them about, well, what's the specifics of those games? It turns out a lot of the, the games were the same. They just had different names, just depending on what region that they grew up in. Yeah. So do you yourself have a favorite personal baseball memory? Oh, man. All of, all of my memories, I think they're all enjoyable. You know, when you're 
you're talking about when I was playing. Yeah. You know, like when I hit my first little league home run, you know, I can remember that it was, it was one of those situations where you swing easy, swing smooth. You don't even feel the ball hit the bat. And the next thing you know, it's going over the fence. It's like, wow, why don't, how can I do that every time? And I never, obviously I didn't learn from that experience because I didn't go very far in my career. Uh, you know, I can remember, you know, certain time I love playing the outfield. I love shagging fly balls. And I can remember some plays where I caught fly balls that, you know, are, are throwing runners out, but also have fond memories of the first time I went to a baseball game in St. Louis with my parents and, and saw Willie Mays and Willie McCovey. I can remember a July game my dad and mom took me to and Hank Aaron were right behind the visitors dug out and I can see Hank Aaron standing right there in the batter's box, you know, being with two of my coworkers that are great friends of mine, you know, we got together and was watching a game in a, in a local watering hole. And <laughs> one of the friends is from Milwaukee. My other friend is uh, a St. Louis fan and Cardinals are playing the Brewers and it goes down into the bottom of the night and we're standing there. We're fixated on the game. You know, we're screaming and yelling, having a great time when um, David freeze, the home run uh, in the 2011 World Series to save the series for the Cardinals, and eventually they won in Game 7. Hey, they're all great memories. I can't just pick one, and I wish I could. You know, I wish <laughs> I could say that. But, you know, all of the memories of meeting these players are, are fantastic. And, you know, I just I wouldn't give any anything for, for the memories that baseball has, has given me over the years. Yeah. That's awesome to hear. What is left to check off on the baseball bucket list? Is there one thing that you are just really wanting to get to? That's a hard question. I knew you was going to ask that. And I've been thinking about that. I've never created quote bucket list. What I would really like to do as I, I get older is to live in the moment more, be in the moment and and go to more games. I live three hours from St. Louis, and St. Louis is the closest major league uh, mm -hmm. team to where I live. So I, I, I can't just hop in the car one afternoon and say, hey, go to the game. If, if I had a bucket list one, it would be to have the opportunity to go out and shag flies in a major league park. I like that. I haven't heard that. Yeah. Shagging flies would be something that I would love to do in a, in a major league park. <laughs> yeah. Great answer. Nobody's said that so far. I've heard take batting practice at a major league park, but never, never shag pop flies at batting practice. So mm. good answer. Well, Points for you. uniqueness. Thank you. So, so that, that gets me to the top of your, uh, SEO search. Yeah, that's, that's right. Search that's optimization, right. right? <laughs> <laughs> Kelly, where do people go if they want to find out more about you or they want to buy the book? Where should they head? So there is a book website called justlikemethebook.com. Two options there. They have an option to buy it from the publisher. There's a link under the buy, buy now section. So uh, you can buy from the publisher. And if you buy a single volume, volume one or volume two, if people would use the code HOMER, they get free shipping. Or if they choose to buy a bundle, both of them, the publisher will give free shipping plus I think it's 10% off. If they would like an autographed copy, there's another uh, button there to click. It'll say, 
purchase from author and I will autograph a, a copy and send it out. Also, hey, if, you, if you will indulge me real quickly, on the website, there is a section called Your Story. And that section, I'm asking readers or anyone to post their memory, their story of a memory of youth baseball. And it, it could be someone that never played baseball or has any interest, but they have a son or grandson or granddaughter that plays or they have a funny story that they could post that. If I get enough stories, uh, I will self-produce this one. And I'm going to give all proceeds to uh, Alzheimer's research cool. and cancer research. So if, if anyone has a story, there's a few stories posted currently. That's, that's my pledge. You know, I, I want to help out caregivers or care, care partners. Uh, I, I know the toll that that can get take on care partners. And I want to do something in that world. Cancer has hit very close to home for me closer than mm-hmm. I would have preferred. So I, I will give 50, 50, all proceeds, all proceeds for that, the sale of that book. So anyone who's got a story, please, please post them. I would love to get that project done. What an amazing idea and, and such a, a generous offer there. I'll be sure to add those links to the show notes so that listeners can you. go directly there. Kelly, thank you so much genuinely for, for being here today and sharing these stories and I, I just can't thank you enough for, for coming along. Well, I can't thank you enough for having me on, Anna. It's, it's been a pleasure. And, uh, you know, hopefully we can do some more books and some more book signings. And if I do shag some fly balls at a major league or even a minor league park, I will take some pictures and send them to you. Perfect. I look forward to that. And that will wrap up this episode of the Baseball Bucket List podcast. Special thanks to Kelly Park for joining us today and sharing those stories this sounds like something you'd like to do if you think you might like to be a guest on the show head to baseballbucketlist.com podcast and fill out an application i would absolutely love to hear from you while you're there make sure to check out the rest of the site sign up for a free membership utilize those trip planning tools and build your own baseball bucket list that's it for this week thanks for listening we'll see you next episode